named Ronald Pinkerton, and he, he was a big hang glider, and he almost got killed one day when he went hang gliding. Uh, what happened is he, he took off, he went off the side of a cliff, you know, in his hang glider, got up to 4,000 feet in the air, had, riding the thermals wonderfully, but then all of a sudden he had a downward draft. And he said, man, he just started rocketing straight towards the ground. He was fighting it. He could not get the hang glider to get out of the, the downward pull. And he said as he was going down, he looked over and he noticed next to him there was a hawk. And he said the hawk was caught in the same downward draft. And he said, I just immediately said, whatever that bird does, I'm going to do what he does because he knows what to do. He said the hawk was trying to fight the downward draft. He said, but then all of a sudden, he just aimed straight towards the ground and started rocketing towards the ground. And he said, I was looking at the hawk going, you've got to be kidding me. He said, I thought, I am following a hawk that's trying to commit suicide. And he said he didn't know what else to do except for just simply turn his glider straight down and follow the hawk. So when they're about three, 400 feet from the ground, they hit an upward draft and their lives were saved. Now, obviously, the, importance, uh, the important thing for him to do as he was caught in the downward draft was to make sure that he found a good guide, that he found someone that was worthy of following. Now, the fact of the matter is, in life, all of us at one point or another are going to get caught up in downward drafts. There's going to be a time in all of our lives whenever we experience difficulties. And I'm sure it's nothing new to you if I tell you that. Did you all know that life does not always work out like you want it to? And we all know this. And so we, we shouldn't be surprised when we have downward drafts in life. We're told in 1 Peter 4.13, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, Jesus himself said in John 16.33, In this world you will have trouble. And so the question is, whenever we are caught up in struggles in life, whenever we are caught in a downward draft, what in the world are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to get out of it? Because, you know, valleys in life, downward drafts in life, don't discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're educated or uneducated. Eventually, you're going to find yourself in some trouble. Now, I know that's not great news that you want to hear, but there is some good news to find out in the midst of the downward drafts in life. And part of that good news is that there is always a lesson, there is always a purpose that God can teach us in the midst of struggle in life. In 1 Peter verses 1, or chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, it says, For a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, and these have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Here's what I really believe. I believe that when we are caught in the downward drafts of life, when you find yourself in a valley in life, it is a great opportunity for your faith to be strengthened. Now, I'm not saying that, man, I hope you go through valleys, that I go through a valley so that my faith can get stronger. I mean, I'm not rooting for that. I'd rather stay on the mountaintops. But there's one thing that I've learned about valleys. When I'm in a valley in my life, I've discovered that I am on my knees communicating with God a whole lot more than when everything else in my life is going well. Because I recognize I'm in need. 
When I'm in a valley, I know that I need help. And today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see King David sharing with us about a valley. And we're continuing our series, going through the 23rd Psalm. We're in verse 4 today. And so if you have your Bible, you can look in uh, Psalm 23, verse number 4. Just go right to the middle of your Bible. You ought to run into Psalm pretty quick. And so Psalm 23, verse number 4. And David shares about the valleys of life and how to not just to, you know, go around them or avoid them. He says there's going to be times when you have to go through a valley. And when you go through a valley, I want to share with you how you can get through it. And how you can get through it without it dominating and overtaking your life. And so today we're just simply going to see a, a few steps that we can take to be able to move through life's valleys. And the very, the very first step that we can take to go through the valley of life is, first of all, refuse to be discouraged. If you're going through a valley right now, let me encourage you to make a decision today that you are going to refuse to be discouraged. And if you look in verse number 4, these are powerful words. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David said, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now you can read that verse and say, man, you've got to be kidding me. Whenever I'm in a valley in my life, you're trying to tell me that I'm not to be discouraged. I mean, you don't understand, obviously, what kind of a valley I'm in. And I'm not proclaiming to be great at this myself, but I want you to know that it is possible that when you're in a valley that you can find strength to go through it. We're told in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, in our text, David said that even though he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he said what? Remember? He said, I, I will fear no evil. What's interesting about this is, did y'all know that there's really, there is a road in Israel that was known as the valley of death? Um, it is a, I, Matthew and I have had the opportunity to be on that road. It runs from Jericho up into the mountains in Jerusalem. Jericho is near the Dead Sea, lowest point on the earth. And there's this tiny little road that runs up to Jerusalem. Now, fortunately, they have more than one road today. But the road is so narrow that, I mean, there's really, it's probably, you could probably walk maybe three people wide on this road. And so if a shepherd was taking his sheep on this road, which would happen, which would have happened oftentimes, the sheep had to be careful because the road was so narrow that if the sheep lost its footing, it very easily could go over the side and die falling off the cliff. Um, it was also a place where robbers would hide out because when you're walking up that narrow road, you didn't have anywhere to escape. And so when you walked up that road and got to a certain point, they would jump you and beat you and leave you for dead. Uh, this very well could have been the road where the Good Samaritan was traveling. Y- y'all remember that story? Good Samaritan was walking down a road near Jericho to Jerusalem. He got, he got attacked. Very well could have been this road. So I, I share this with you just to let you know that this is the perspective from which David is writing when he wrote this psalm. And the fact of the matter is there are a lot of narrow, dark, scary roads in this life. There are a lot of roads that lead us into a very dark valley. And the question is, when we're walking through those roads, what are you going to do? Now, I know a lot of times, I, mean, I, I try to avoid those roads. If it's a dark, scary road, I just, I'm going to go around it. I'm not going to go near it. But you know what? Like the shepherd, there were times when the shepherd, he had no other place to take his sheep to eat. 
And the only place that he could get to that green pasture was to go through this, this valley road. You know, there's going to be times in our lives where we're going to have to go through valleys in order to get to where God wants us to be. So how do we get through them? Well, we're told that David said, I will fear no evil. And what I want you to notice is the second word of that statement. He said, I will fear no evil. Will indicates a choice. It implies that David had the ability to make a choice to either choose to be discouraged or choose not to be discouraged. And he chose not to be discouraged. He said, I'm not going to do it. It's my choice. And again, that's, I know that's so easy for me to stand up here and say, and you might say, obviously you don't understand what I'm experiencing in my life. But I want you to know it is a choice. David said, I will fear no evil. You know, we, we know this. I mean, you can take people, you can take two different people, and you can put them in the same circumstances. You can surround them with chaos. You can surround them with crisis. And we've all seen people who've responded differently. Same situations. One person responds well, another person responds poorly. What's going on there? It's where they choose to put their focus, where they choose to put their focus. When we're going through the valley, my encouragement for you and for me is to choose not to focus on our circumstances, but instead to focus on the power of our God. In Colossians 1.11 it says, Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. You know, if we make a decision that we're going to rely upon ourselves as we journey through this life, there's going to come a time when you're going to get tired. There's going to come a time when you say, you know what, I just don't have the endurance in this life to to put up with all this junk that I'm going through. I am tired and I'm worn out. And the fact is, there is only one who has everlasting power, who has everlasting staying power. And according to Scripture, that's our God. God is the only one who has that kind of power. And so that's why it's important that we walk with him like a sheep does with a shepherd so that he can constantly recharge us and lead us as we go through valleys in life. Let me try to give you an example. Uh, This past Christmas, uh, my in-laws bought me an iPhone. Y'all, I am the most technologically, I am the biggest dunce when it comes to anything with technology. My kids blow me away. I mean, I'm like, hey, how do I work this thing? And they take it and they show me. Uh, So I got this iPhone, and it is, I mean, for a person who's, you know, I am the Texas Instrument Atari generation guy. And so, you know, this iPhone thing just blew me away, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do everything on it. Uh, There is, by the way, this little side note here, there's like, my kids are like, they're putting all these games on my phone. And one of them was Temple Run. Any of y'all ever heard of that game? No, it's like crazy. I'm like, it is, Emily was with me last night. And I was watching, uh, yeah, I was watching some uh, ESPN, and I just pulled up the phone, and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, nothing. I'm playing that dumb Temple Run game. And so he's just running and jumping. Anyway, it, this, it has nothing to do with anything. So that phone's like unbelievable. But here's one thing that I've learned about the phone, is that with all of its power and all of its output and all the things it's able to do, it sucks power big time. And if you're going to be able to use that phone for an entire day, you better have a charger with you. Because if you don't have that charger, that phone's not going to be able to operate and perform. And the same thing's true with us. For us to be able to do the things that God has created us to do, we better make sure that we are walking next to our God. Because if we're not walking next to our God, guys, we're going to run out of power. 
And so David said, I'm going to walk with my God. And because I'm walking with my God, I will refuse to be discouraged. Why? Because who God is. You know, we just got finished singing a song. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. It comes from Romans 8.31. It says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? So the first step that we can take to go through the valleys of life is refuse to be discouraged. But I want you to see another reason we can get through the valleys of life, and it's this one. Remember God's with you. When you're in a valley, remember God's with you. Uh, If you go back to verse number 4 again, it says, And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Now, I've said this, I think it's the last week or the week before. What is David, King David, what is he known for more than anything else? Y'all remember? Kids. Yeah, Goliath. Goliath. The big battle with the giant. Goliath was over nine feet tall. He was a seasoned warrior. He had, he had modern-day weaponry, and he's going to fight David. David shows up. David's basically he's a young man. Only thing he's got, he's not a soldier, he's a shepherd. He's got a sling and five stones. And guess who wins? David. Now you would think after a battle like that, if there is anybody who has any reason to be a little bit on the cocky side, it's David. Can you imagine winning a battle like that? I mean, I would be walking around just so excited, telling everybody, yeah, don't mess with me. You know, I wiped out a nine-foot-tall guy, and I just had a sling. I mean, this guy had every reason to brag about who he was. And so you come to verse number 4, and David says, I will fear no evil. And you say, of course he's not going to fear evil. I mean, he wiped out Goliath. He's a tough guy. Is that why David said that he'd fear no evil? No. If you continue to read on in verse number 4, here's why he said, I will fear no evil. He said, for you are with me. See, David decided that he was not going to be overcome by fear, that he was not going to allow evil to dominate his life because he had confidence that God was going to be with him. Did you know that God has given us promises? That even when you're in a valley in life, God says, I'm with you. Man, a great verse is Isaiah 43, 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, God says, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. The last words Jesus gave to his followers before he ascended into heaven, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, God's not up in heaven right now looking down on us, saying, I've already helped these guys out once. You know, they are biggest pain I've ever met in my life. I'm not, going, I'm not helping them out anymore. Guys, good luck. You figure this out on your own. Not, well, that's not what God does. God has made a promise that he'll be with his people. You know what that shows me? That God desires intimacy with us. He desires to be close to us. He doesn't, God doesn't view you as a science project. It's not like he created us and said, I wonder what they're going to do. I'm just going to watch them like, like the little ant colony. That's what God does. God is interested in who we are as people. And typically when people are going through a valley, one thing I've discovered is that we don't want to talk about God. We want to talk to Him. Demonstrates intimacy. You know, whenever I grow closest to my wife, it occurs not when I talk about my wife. 
It occurs when I'm talking to my wife. That's how relationships are forged. That's how they become strong. Now I want to shift gears just a little bit here. I want you to know this verse is not just talking about a dangerous road in Israel. It's also talking about death. And one of the greatest fears that people have is the fear dying. You know, I, I agree with Billy Graham, great evangelist. Uh, he said, I'm not afraid of dying. He said, I'm just afraid of how I'm going to die. Any of y'all identify with that? I'm thinking, I agree with that. I mean, you know, that's uh, Billy Graham. He said, I have a fear of the way that I'm going to die. But David says, as followers of God, he said, you don't have to fear death. This is so encouraging. It's an incredible statement. We don't have to fear death. And one of the reasons why is because God has promised that his followers, his sheep, that he's going to prepare a place for them after they do die. Jesus said in John 14, verses 2 and 3, he said, In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, this is why David was able to write about the shadow of death. He said, even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death. You know, shadows can be big. Shadows can be dark. But do shadows have power? Do shadows have strength? A great story I read, there was a pastor named Donald Gray Barnhouse. And his wife had died, and he had done the funeral, and he had his kids. They were driving back from the funeral. They passed by a huge bus, and the bus cast a shadow over the car. And the dad with the kids, they were heartbroken. And he saw, he saw something interesting in that, in that bus passing by. He said, kids, let me ask you a question. He said, would you rather be hit by the bus or by the shadow? Well, I said, well, that's a dumb question. I said, of course, Dad, we'd rather be hit by the shadow. He said, why? It's like a shadow can't hurt us. And he went on to explain them the 23rd Psalm and reminded them that whenever Jesus is your shepherd, whenever you follow the leadership of God, death becomes merely shadow that does not hold power over you. So when I look into our text, I see how we can move through valleys in life. First of all, we have to refuse to be discouraged. Secondly, we are to remember God is with us. And here's the last thing I want you to see about how to move through a valley. And that is that you can rely on God's protection and guidance. You can rely on His protection and guidance. Verse number 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And here's the part we're going to focus on. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A rod and staff were two basic tools that every shepherd had. A rod, I didn't know this, I looked it up. A rod's about two, it's a stick about two feet long. At the end of it, it had like this knotty material. And a shepherd would use it as a weapon. And so if a sheep, if his sheep were being attacked by a predator, he was so proficient with that rod that he could sling that rod with deadly accuracy and hit like a coyote or some kind of animal that's trying to attack his sheep. He used it in order to keep the predators away. So whenever David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, when he's talking about the rod, he's letting us know that God is our protector. That whenever you're in God's flock, whenever you're one of his sheep, God's got a rod 
And whenever the enemy comes after us, God's going to pull out that rod. And he's going to do a number on the enemy. Because he protects his sheep. You know how many sheep God's lost? None. He's never lost any sheep that end up in his flock. So God has a rod to protect us. It says that he also has a staff. And of course the staff is a, you know, it's the, it looks like a big cane. It's got the big crook on the end of it. And that shepherd would use that crook in order to draw his sheep closer to him to keep them by his side. Also, whenever the sheep would fall into a dangerous situation, if they fell into water, he could use that crook of the cane and he could reach down and he could grab that sheep and pull him out. I read another commentary that's talking about that staff and it said that the shepherd would also use a staff as the sheep were coming by when they're going into the pen. He would use that, he would use that staff and he would count the sheep. And he would count the sheep because if one of them was missing, you know what that shepherd would do? He'd go out and find the lost sheep. And it was just a reminder to me that God is keeping an eye on us. He's drawing us closer to Him. And if we wander away from Him, one thing you can count on, God's going to come after you because you're His sheep. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, I, I, I understand this. I, I understand that there are valleys in life. And I really think the older you get, the more and more aware you become of the valleys because you experience them. The question is, when you're in the valley, who are you looking to for your protection? When you go through those valleys, who is it that you're looking to to provide you with protection and guidance? David said, God has a rod and staff. And he uses it in order to comfort us. That word comfort is basically telling us that what God's doing is he's keeping us on his track, on his path. He comforts us in keeping us near him. Problem is when we wander from him, we get lost. Remember he talking about sheep? Sheep, are, they're, not the most, they're not the smartest animals in the world. And it's very easy for them to wander and to get lost. And when they wander and get lost, they become susceptible to predators. They're in trouble. And whenever we're lost, that's a frustrating experience. I remember we moved to, we moved to Columbia when I was a senior in high school. Uh, it was 1986, and I remember we moved here, and I spent the first six months in Columbia. I was lost. And the reason why is what I discovered in Columbia. Have you, and if you're, if you're not from here, I think one thing that you'll notice fairly quickly is how roads change names for, like, no reason at all. Have y'all, have you, did y'all know that? Now, now, where I grew up, everything's in a grid, and you could never get lost because you said, I don't know where I am right now, but I'll just keep driving, and I'll intersect the street eventually. And you come here, the roads have, they, there's no rhyme or reason to the roads, and they just sort of change names. And, and I remember I was downtown, and, uh, and I was going to go to Richland Mall. And I, I was going there, I was meeting some guys there for a movie, and I was downtown, and I was like, how do I get to Richland Mall? And they said, you just you go and force drive, and, and the mall's going to be on your ride. Just go down a few miles. And I'm downtown. I'm like, okay, that, well, that's not hard. I'm driving around forever looking for Force Drive. John, there's not Force. Force Drive is not downtown. Now, what no one told me is that Taylor Street turns into Forest Drive. And so I ended up driving around completely lost and absolutely frustrated on the verge of losing my religion because of this no-nonsense idea of, of we're going to change the names of streets for no reason. 
And I really believe a lot of people go through life lost and frustrated because they are not under the direction of the shepherd. And this can become compounded whenever you begin to walk through valleys in life. So how do we get through valleys? Here's the good news. Last, last three things I'm going to share with you. Refuse to be discouraged. Remember God's with you. And rely on God's protection and guidance. And of course, with all of it to be true, you have to trust what God says in this book. That he's true. Even though I walk through the valleys, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my God is with me. Who is my God? My God is a creator of life. My God is the king who conquered death. And my God is a God who's so powerful that he can take my broken and sick and disease-ridden body and sinful nature and he can raise me from the dead and give me hope.